Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Joe Galati podcast, broadcasting high above the Texas Medical Center in Houston, purveyor of all things related to the liver, health and wellness, nutrition, food and cooking, and all-around doctor banter and witty repartee with our experts that visit us. Our website is drjoegalati.com. If you'd like to send me a note, subscribe to our newsletter, or even see me as a patient. If you want to call and be part of the program, dial us at 888-438-9431. And now, on with the podcast. Dr. Joe Galati. During the next hour, you'll learn about health, wellness, and the prevention of disease. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Galati. Well, a good Sunday evening to all of you. I hope you're having something that resembles a nice Labor Day weekend. I'm Dr. Joe Galati, and we're here every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m. The name of this program is Your Health First. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, you are just, I guess, spinning the dial on your radio, and you tune in to 740 KTRH here in the Houston, Texas area our flagship station, you're probably saying, hey, what is this? Do I need to listen? And of course, you need to listen in. And if you're surfing the iHeartRadio app and you're finding us somewhere else, welcome to the program. Welcome to the party. And my goal as a practicing physician is to see to it that all of you look at your health as a consumer would look at their health. If you are buying a particular product, you're going to research it out. How does it work? What are the, not so much liabilities, what are the weaknesses of the product you're buying? What is the weakness of your body? Are you at risk for certain complications? And so the scope of what we talk about here every Sunday is wide-ranging from disease prevention exercise, nutrition, uh, latest in research, exercise, things like that. So we, if it is in this wellness space, health and wellness, I will make it a point to bring it to all of you. Now to communicate with me and our Your Health First team, there is one spot you need to go to. It is drjogalati.com, drjogalati.com. Galati is spelled G-A-L-A-T-I. Pretty easy. And there you can sign up for our newsletter. You can send me an email. Let me know what you think. And all of our social media sites are there. We want you to like us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, our other websites for our practice, Liver Specialists of Texas, where we take care of people with liver disease, cirrhosis, liver transplant, liver cancer, digestive disorders. We want you to go there. And of course, our book, Eating Yourself Sick, is available there for ordering. If you actually go to the Dr. Joe Galati website, you can download a free audio chapter. Who doesn't like stuff 
That is free. The book is available hardcover, audible, if you like to listen, and in uh, the Kindle version. So it's all there for you. And if you want to see me as a patient, you can uh, communicate with us as well. Well, uh, real treat tonight. Coming up in just a few minutes, my dad is going to be calling in from New York. Now, my mom passed away a little over three years ago. She was a regular contributor to the program. She had a lot to say about food, feeding your family, especially feeding your children. Now, with mom's passing, and I talk about it in the book, Eating Yourself Sick, um, we have to rely on dad. Dad is keeping that attitude alive. And at 94, he'll be 95 in November, he is still cooking for himself, still shopping. We still talk about food all the time when we are on the phone, either what I'm making what one of the kids is making, what we're having for dinner, what he is getting for dinner, we're trading recipes. And really what I want to get from him is, in all the years that he has been here, what is his approach to eating at home? What is his approach to wellness? And the key take-home here is that you, you never stop being concerned about your nutrition. You never stop being concerned and interested about your own health and well-being, not only of your yourself, but of your family, your wife, your husband, your children, your, your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law, nieces and nephews, and your grandchildren especially. So getting, getting some input from dad really is, uh, is, is a great thing. So that, that will be a treat. I've dedicated rest of the program to talking with Dad, so I believe it is uh, that important. So we'll see what Dad has to say. All right, the time is flying. Hope you're having a great Labor Day. Be safe. Don't eat too much. It's okay to splurge a little bit, but don't go crazy. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget, drjoegalati.com. We'll be back in just a minute. Thanks very much for tuning in this Labor Day weekend. I'm Dr. Joe Galati, and as I was saying earlier, very big treat for me to have my dad on the phone from New York. Dad, how are you tonight? I'm doing just fine. Well, thanks. You uh, have always been a big fan and supporter of the program, and um, once again, we get you to come on and and shed a little bit of your experience uh uh, through life uh, with everybody that's listening tonight. And the one thing, Dad, that I wanted you to shed some light on and give a 94 and three quarters year old perspective on has to do with food and nutrition and, and, and cooking. Now, the, the one thing is for you and I, uh, especially, we always, when we talk to each other on the phone or face-to-face when we're visiting one another, the, the conversation of food always comes up. What, what do you think is the origin of that? Oh, that's uh, quite easy to respond to, Joe. Uh, the origin, you have to remember 
as you mentioned on the phone just a moment ago, I'm 94 years old. Uh-huh. That means I was born in 1924. Right. And in those days, that was the beginning of the Depression. When I was six years old, we were right in the middle of the Depression. Mm-hmm. And consequently, you know, things were scarce. Uh, also, what was scarce, you have to think in terms of what we have today and what we had 90 years ago. They did not have the shops. Uh, they did not have the vegetable stores. They did not have the assortment of vegetables all year round. We would await for the wagon, a man with a horse and wagon pass by two or three times a week and stop, and I would see my mother running down to the wagon and making her selection. And that's my first recollection, you know, how she would go down and actually haggle with the driver in terms of the cost and the quality and what have you. And she would come up with a bundle of vegetables, vegetables that were in season at that time. Right. Or fruit. You know, take today. You could go out and buy apples 12 months out of the year. With us in those days, we would have to wait for the fall and the apples coming from upstate New York, right. from the orchards. So we might have had apples three or four months out of the year and right. things like that. Yeah. Now, so that, that's the recollection I have. And the recollection also is that when I was six years old, that was 1930. And from 30, 31, and 32, that was the middle of the Depression. Mm -hmm. So things were scarce. And I would see how my mother would whip up all kinds of preparations with one basic ingredient. There was always pasta plus something else. And... And, and the foods would be, they would call them depression foods, right? but they were absolutely delicious. Now, what, was, what were some of the things? I know over the years, when, when, when I was a kid, and, and you or you and mom were putting a, a whipped-up dish together, you would say, oh, this was a depression food. So explain to everybody what this may have been. Okay, very, very easily, very easily. Everyone listening has had leftover spaghetti and sauce. Right. Whether they go make it themselves or they bring it home from a restaurant, it's leftover. They would have leftover spaghetti and sauce. The next day, what my mother would do, or the day after, take out a large skillet, put some olive oil in it, just a dash of it, put that spaghetti in there, and fry it. Uh-huh. And, and some of the strings of spaghetti would burn. It would be absolutely delicious. And then she would complement it with, if it was in season, she would put peas in there. And I remember, I remember as a child, where from, from the local merchant, she would buy peas in a pod. Right fresh peas in a pod, 
and I would sit at the kitchen table with my brother Dennis, who was my older brother, and she would ask us to open the pods and to put the peas in a dish. And of course, what we did, we, we enjoyed eating some of those pods, absolutely delicious. If anyone hasn't ever opened up a pea pod and eaten that fresh pea, is missing something. Well, you, you, well, anyway, getting back to the spaghetti in the frying pan. Once those peas were separated from the pod, she would take, oh, the equivalent of a cupful, possibly, and throw it into that mixture of uh, pasta with sauce in the frying pan and whip that up, and that would be our dinner. Absolutely delicious. Now the one the, the one the one thing dad that was very important to me which we've talked about and and I read about in in the book Eating Yourself Sick is is the fact that my recollections as a 6 7 8 year old sitting at the kitchen table with my sister Anne and Celeste would be not only, I don't recall, to tell you the truth, opening peas up for mom, but chopping garlic, chopping onions, stirring things on the stove. So maybe this is, I know the answer to this, but would you say those early recollections as a six or seven or eight-year-old impacted you to how you looked at cooking at home and eating and nutrition? Well, I, I, it does. It really does because it was an experience that uh, was a part part of uh, our lives. Right. As I indicated, it was depression time, and and even at that young age, Joe, I realized that something was wrong. Something wasn't going right. Mm-hmm. So I. As a son, was I oversensitive or what? I don't know. But I I would be there at my mother's beck and call. If she needed help in doing something, I would do it. And little things like peeling a potato or, or skinning an onion and little things like that, we helped her out because she did need help. She had four little boys in the house. Right. And it was difficult. It wasn't easy. And so we did help, and, uh, and we found enjoyment in helping. Yeah. Now, you know, that is, that is something that has been lost. It is the family meal, cooking together, having a mother or a father with their children working out in the kitchen. What, what do you make of that? Well, it's the changing time, Joe, uh, 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 you have to remember that we we did not have what they call pleasures today that they have today. We did not have the McDonald's. We did not have the uh, ice cream parlors. We we had nothing. We had nothing. Everything that we had started and ended in the kitchen. Right. There was nothing that we could go out and buy there. Who didn't have frozen foods? Right. They didn't have packaged foods. Uh, they didn't have. 
in, in my later years, they had Paget's bread. I'll never forget Silver Cup mm. back around 1937-38. Right. It was Silver Cup bread. And, you know, otherwise it was just a loaf of what they call today Italian bread. That's what we had. That was the only bread we had in the house. Speaking of that now, for breakfast, for example, again, depression time. You've got to remember that was a terrible period for us and an important one also. Right. That bread that was possibly two days old or three days old, my mother would slice it. Mm-hmm. In, in, in slices of, oh, maybe a half inch each, you know. And then she would put a pad of butter on right on the top and then slip that into the oven, into the oven, and, 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 the, and the broiler would go, and that would make the toast for us, and then a boiled egg with that, and that was our breakfast. That was it. No, no Captain Crunch cereal. Nothing, nothing. It wasn't around. It wasn't around. Later on, we did have it. When we were 11 or 12 years old, uh, uh, the market changed, where stores were buying packaged cereals and stuff like that, uh, with, with programs that endorsed it, like uh, Tom Armstrong and uh, Superman and things like that. You know? Yeah, and then you had Wheaties, uh, right? Where, where we got exposed then to packaged cereals, which we never had in the house, though. Yeah. Never, never had them in the house. What I want to do is get back chatting with my father, 94 and three quarters years old, getting some, as I like to say, some real-world wisdom about raising a family, food, nutrition, and cooking, and how even at 94 years old, he is still home cooking for himself. Now, you and you and mom got married in 1954, had the three of us, of course, Anne, myself, and, and Celeste, and I, I, would, I would say your family... Um, is it is it fair to say that there was more um, cooking uh, in your the Galati family versus mom's yes, Italian yes. family? Uh, it was just it was uh, a different setup. Um, uh, 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 this is quite factual, uh, as you know. Uh, uh, mom's uh, uh, mother was a wonderful, wonderful person. However, she was not a cook, and they didn't care to cook, and uh, the children didn't cook. They just ate whenever they were available, never at the kitchen table together, never, never, never. Whereas uh, with us, everything evolved around the kitchen, and mom, your mom, immediately adopted that that way of living because she found it so favorable. And consequently, uh, uh, you, you know what happened historically. Uh, uh, our kitchen was uh, uh, the family library. Right. Everything evolved around the kitchen where 
the three of you participated in in doing little things and preparing the dinners and things like that. Yeah, you know, people today, and I and I tell people what it was like, and they they really not that I'm not telling the truth, but I I don't think they quite get the magnitude of how much cooking was going on and friends would come over, we'd invite them to eat over. And when you talk to people in the neighborhood today that were that are my age, their memory of coming over the house is something that Mrs. Galati made. Would you yeah, what would you say yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah. That that's true. That's true. Uh because cooking was never a chore. It was never a challenge in this house, never a challenge, and uh, and and it was fun. It was fun. Well, what made uh, it? I'll, it I'll challenge, I'll, Dad. I'll challenge you there. And and for again, people don't quite grasp when you say fun. What was what was fun about it? What could you tell somebody to explain? It was fun to be in our kitchen. Uh, growing up, what what does that mean? Well, to me, what it means is, if you have recollections now, in our kitchen, we were able to draw all the neighborhood kids. The few friends that both you and the girls had were always here. They were part of it. They saw what was happening. And, and we, we took... By we, I mean especially the children and with mom, took so much interest in putting it all together and then actually uh, uh, watching and experiencing the joy that our friends had in consuming that same food that was prepared right. at that moment. Absolutely true. I, I think I think the point that you you bring out here is that there is joy and excitement in preparing food and watching people uh, eat it. Now, you know, the one, the one point here to get, to get your opinion on is um, why is it, why is it today that you think people, and this may be young people in their 20s just starting off a family, Sort of that mid mid range, say uh, forty to fifty five, and then you know those approaching retirement and empty nesters, things like that. Why is there not as much excitement uh, about cooking and putting food together? What's what's your take? I mean, you've seen ninety four and a half years of experience through many generations. Yeah, well, well, you know, part of it is that they never had that experience in their homes, unfortunately. And those that did have that experience are running themselves ragged now on their jobs, little league, all kinds of involvements where they, they'll say, we just haven't got time to cook, just haven't got time to cook. And... Uh, uh, that, that's a complicated question, Joe, why. There are so many reasons why. Uh, just bad habits. They don't realize the harm that they're doing to themselves by, by 
eating out this way. I, I have friends today that do this continually uh, of all ages. They're not all 20 and 30-year-olders. They're 40 and 50-year-olders and 60-year-olders that prefer eating out, and they talk about the quantities of food and how delicious it is, and it doesn't cost that much. The same lament, the same stories all the time, not realizing or not caring, really, not caring, not caring mm-hmm. that the food is loaded with salts and fat, and uh, but they don't have to prepare it. They don't have to wash dishes. They don't have to put them away, and it's the easy way out. But it's certainly not the healthy way out. Well, you know, I I always look at it, and it's it's uh, you know look back at where I I came from. That food and meals, the food that we pardon me, food and what food and meals, you know, yeah. is more than just something we have to do each day. I mean, you wake up and you say, hey, I've got to have breakfast. I've got to have lunch. Hey, it's dinner time. I I don't know if they look at it as an activity of bringing nourishment into the body or it's what keeps them healthy or something that they do as a family. Have we, has that whole notion just gone out the window? It might have, Joe. It, It might have. And I, I think, you know, getting to the crux of it all is that, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, bad habits have been created and, uh, and things have been approached the easy way. Right. They're just not encouraged. They they just don't know what's right and wrong anymore. They just do things uh, in a rote fashion. Right. You know, got to have lunch. Uh, now, now, gee whiz, I have so many things that I have to do this afternoon. Where, where can I go? And they'll go someplace and, and, and they'll, they'll buy anything just to stuff their mouths with something. And, <laughs> right. Uh, not caring or knowing or realizing whether it's good or bad, yeah, it serves the purpose. Couple of couple of final questions here, Dad. And you you certainly know me as good as anybody walking the earth here, and how serious I take nutrition and food and the um, uh, the disease that eating improperly causes and all of the suffering that's associated with that and both you and mom Absolutely. and you and mom were so influential in in pointing this out really at a very early age but what what do you think it may take to transform one person one family to look differently at food and to look in the mirror and say, this has to stop, I really need to start cooking at home, get the skills that I need, and take control of my life. What, what do you think, sort of that 30,000-foot sort of view, what, what do you think we need to do? You know, that's, that's 
the uh, to the million dollar question. Four thousand dollar question, Joe. What do you do? Well, what you are doing, you're on the right path. There's no question about that. Trying to influence patients on nutrition and eating well and eating right. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they listening? Do they really want to do it? And that's the key. They they have to come back to you and uh, say, Dr. Galati, you are so right, and I'm going to try to do it. I will do it. It's like a person, Joe, that's addicted to smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. God knows. God knows they want to quit, and they quit, and they stop smoking for a week or so, and then for some reason, it's triggered, and they're back to their old habit again. Right. And they got to try again, and again, and again, and they need the encouragement from someone, and that's what you're doing, Uh uh, to make a clean sweep with this, with every person you talk to, it, things just don't happen that way. But for the person that is intent, that listens and faces reality and realizes that he is definitely, definitely hurting himself nutritionally and health-wise, that's the person that will respond. Right, right. And even there, even there, he will need encouragement to continue. Yeah, it's it's that support network. Now, I know that you are um, you're going to be having a birthday in a few months, ninety five. But you're you're home this afternoon, cooking chicken soup. Why don't you right. briefly? Why don't you briefly sort of just say you know what's what's in the the Galati family chicken soup tonight? Okay, e- even there with all my experience, <coughs> I made a gross error. Okay, I bought a chicken. I bought carrots. I bought celery, but I forgot to buy parsley. Right. So I started out, Joe, by um, getting one of the larger pots, filled it with water. I took all the skin off the chicken, washed the chicken, and I threw it into the pot. Got it boiling. Mm -hmm. And then I took a can of uh, tomato sauce. That gives it a little color and flavor. I put that in. And I had that simmering now for about an hour and a half. Then what I did, I uh, took three stalks of celery, Mm -hmm. three carrots. I washed them and cleaned them. And I cut them up in thirds. And I put that into the uh, pot. And it's brewing now for, I guess, uh, about two and a half hours. I'm going to give it another 20 minutes or so, and the soup should be completed. Now, do you still get satisfaction? Do you still get satisfaction when it's done and you're sitting down and you say, damn, 
damn, uh, look at what I made. Of course, you know. Of course. And uh, uh, I, I try to duplicate, try to duplicate what I was so accustomed to, you know, when, when, when my mother made it or when your mom made it, when mom made it here. Right. Uh, I don't think it'll come the same, but it'll come close to it. It's a good. Close it's a good it. try. A good. There you are. There you are. But you know, you get. And, you, and and the one thing I do know, Joe, that it'll be uh, certainly healthy. It's not loaded with salt. I didn't put any salt in there. I'll season it as needed for my palate when the time comes to consume it. And uh, uh, that's it. I'll, I'll break up the chicken into little pieces. I'm going to take that celery and put it through uh, one of the blenders and uh, pulverize it and uh, add it to the broth yeah. to give it a more hearty flavor and take advantage uh, of the nutritional value of the three stalks of celery. Yeah. You know, I think the final, the final word here, Dad, is for, for the parents that are listening tonight, the adults— the influence that parents have over their spouses and the influence they have over their children and grandchildren is immense. And, and both you and mom took that responsibility very seriously. Um, what, what do you say to them as we, as we close out here? If I can reflect, as you just did, uh, every grandparent out there that's listening has grandchildren. And they must ask themselves the question, have you spent time with your young grandchildren while growing up in the kitchen, having them help you prepare the meal for that evening? If the answer is yes, that's wonderful. If the response is no, that means that something has been omitted Mm -hmm. and something that they should try. It's never too late. Never too late at any age. The next time grandchildren are visiting with you, and they're going to have breakfast with you, have them help you make the pancakes. Have them help you set the table. Have them help you serve. Right. And it works. It works. And what's wonderful about it, the grandchildren remember that years later. Yeah. I think you have to look at your your grandchildren, and and, uh, it, it certainly has worn right. off on them, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, it has. It really has. It All really right. Has. Dad, as always, you have uh, sage wisdom for all of us, and uh, I'm glad we could all tap into it tonight. Well, well, you know, it's not easy, Joe. It's not easy, and it's just a question of commitment. Uh, uh, people have to make the commitment that they want to change. That's the key, change. You know, uh, uh, things progress with change. Right. 
if things remain at a status quo, nothing will change. That's it. If you continue doing things the same way you have done it for the past 20 years, forget it. It's not going to change. <laughs> what? Uh, the, la- the last word here. What is your famous line? You've got to want to? you got to want to do it. you got to want to do it. And that's a good way to sign off tonight. Dad, thanks very much. Well, you have a good night, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, Joe. Thanks for listening today to our podcast. Don't forget, for more information, check out drjoegalati.com. Information about my book, Eating Yourself Sick, is available there, as well as our clinical practice, radio program, and social media links. We need you to be part of our tribe and community. Until we meet again, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Ciao.